This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. The Law School of America. Vandalism is the action involving deliberate destruction of or damage to public or private property. The term includes property damage, such as graffiti and defacement directed towards any property without permission of the owner. The term finds its roots in an Enlightenment view that the Germanic Vandals were a uniquely destructive people. Etymology The Vandals, an ancient Germanic people, are associated with senseless destruction as a result of their sack of Rome under King Genseric in 455. During the Enlightenment, Rome was idealized, while the Goths and Vandals were blamed for its destruction. The Vandals may not have been any more destructive than other invaders of ancient times, but they did inspire British poet John Dryden to write, till Goths, and Vandals, a rude northern race, did all the matchless monuments deface, 1694. However, the Vandals did intentionally damage statues, which may be why their name is associated with the vandalism of art. The term vandalism was coined in 1794 by Henri Gregoire, Bishop of Blois, to describe the destruction of artwork following the French Revolution. The term was quickly adopted across Europe. This new use of the term was important in coloring the perception of the Vandals from later late antiquity, popularizing the pre-existing idea that they were a barbaric group with a taste for destruction. Historically, vandalism has been justified by painter Gustav Courbet as destruction of monuments symbolizing war and conquest. Therefore, it is often done as an expression of contempt, creativity, or both. Gustave Courbet's attempt, during the 1871 Paris Commune, to dismantle the Vadome Column, a symbol of the past Napoleon III authoritarian empire, was one of the most celebrated events of vandalism. Nietzsche himself would meditate after the Commune on the fight against culture, taking as example the intentional burning of the Tuileries Palace on May 23, 1871. The criminal fight against culture is only the reverse side of a criminal culture wrote Klausowski after quoting Nietzsche. In a proposal to the International Conference for Unification of Criminal Law held in Madrid in 1933, Raphael Lemkin envisaged the creation of two new international crimes, Delicta Juris Gentium, the crime of barbarity, consisting in the extermination of racial, religious, or social collectivities, and the crime of vandalism consisting in the destruction of cultural and artistic works of these groups. The proposal was not accepted. As a crime, private citizens commit vandalism when they willfully damage or deface the property of others or the commons. Some vandalism may qualify as culture jamming or sniggling, it is thought by some to be artistic in nature even though carried out illegally or without the property owner's permission. Examples include at least some graffiti art, billboard liberation, and possibly crop circles. Criminal vandalism takes many forms. Graffiti on public property is common in many inner cities as part of a gang culture, where they might be used as territorial markers. More serious forms of vandalism that may take place during public unrest such as rioting can involve the willful destruction of public and private property. Vandalism per se is sometimes considered one of the less serious common crimes, but it can become quite serious and distressing when committed extensively, violently or as an expression of hatred and intimidation. In response, local governments have adopted various legal measures to prevent vandalism, 
but research has shown that the conventional strategies employed by the government in response to at least unapproved graffiti are not the most effective. Examples Examples of vandalism include salting lawns, cutting trees without permission, egg-throwing, breaking windows, arson, spraying paint on others' properties, tagging, placing glue into locks, tire-slashing, keying, scratching, paint, ransacking a property, flooding a house by clogging a sink and leaving the water running, and pulling up plants from the roots without permission. Political. In elections, opposing candidates' supporters may engage in political vandalism, the act of defacing opponents' political posters, bumper stickers, billboards, and other street marketing material. Although the nature of this material is temporary, its effect can be long-lasting as it may reflect both negatively and positively on the candidate whose material is being vandalized as well as on the presumed candidate whose supporters are engaging in the vandalism. In addition, activists may use the tactic of property destruction as means of protest, for example by smashing the windows of banks, shops and government institutions and setting fire to cars. This often takes place during riots but can also happen as a standalone event, for example, by animal rights activists destroying property owned by farmers, hunters, biotech companies, and research facilities in setting free animals, which is sometimes referred to as eco-terrorism by opponents. Vandalism is also a common tactic of black blocs. Motives. Actions of this kind can be ascribed to anger or envy, or to spontaneous, opportunistic behavior, possibly for peer acceptance or bravado in gang cultures, or disgruntlement with the target, victim, person or society. Opportunistic vandalism of this nature may also be filmed, the mentality of which can be akin to happy slapping. The large-scale prevalence of gang graffiti in some inner cities has almost made it acceptable to the societies based there, so much so that it may go unnoticed, or not be removed, possibly because it may be a fruitless endeavor, to be graffitied on once again. Greed can motivate vandalism as can some political ideologies, wish to draw attention to problems, frustration, even playfulness. Youngsters, the most common vandals, frequently experience low status and boredom. Vandalism enables powerless people to attack those above them, take control and frighten others. Unpunished vandalism can provide relief which reinforces the behavior. Vandalism by one person can lead to imitation. Teenage boys and men in their 20s are most likely to vandalize, but older adults and females are also known to sometimes vandalize, with young children occasionally vandalizing, but in a much smaller form such as making small crayon drawings on walls. Criminological research into vandalism has found that it serves many purposes for those who engage in it and stems from a variety of motives. Sociologist Stanley Cohen describes seven different types of vandalism. Acquisitive vandalism, looting and petty theft. 1. Peer pressure. Teenagers spend more time away from home with peers whether they act constructively or destructively can depend on the contacts they make. Disobeying authority can appear cool. 2. Tactical vandalism, to advance some end other than acquiring money or property, such as breaking a window to be arrested and get a bed for the night in a police cell. 3. Ideological vandalism, carried out to further an explicit ideological cause or deliver a message. 4. Vindictive vandalism, for revenge. 5. Play vandalism, damage resulting from children's games. 6. Malicious vandalism. Damage caused by a violent outpouring of diffuse frustration and rage that often occurs in public settings. Cohen's original typology was improved upon by Mike Sutton whose research led him to add a seventh subtype of vandalism, peer status-motivated vandalism. Reaction of authorities. In view of its incivility, 
Punishment for vandalism can be particularly severe in some countries. In Singapore, for example, a person who attempts to cause or commits an act of vandalism may be liable to imprisonment for up to three years and may also be punished with caning. Vandalism in the UK is construed as an environmental crime and may be punished with an ASBO, anti-social behavior order. In the 1990s, former New York City Mayor Rudolph Giuliani cracked down on quality-of-life crimes, including graffiti. NY Parks Commissioner Henry J. Stern described graffiti as a metaphor for urban decay perhaps best shown in a clockwork orange adding that New York City will not be like that. Now a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. The Law School of America. Cyber vandalism. Cyber vandalism is vandalism on the internet. For example, vandalism on Wikipedia involves adding questionable content, removing content, or changing content in order to make it questionable, generally with the objective of harming Wikipedia's reputation. Forms of online vandalism have been recorded, the most common of which is website defacement. Vandalism on web maps has been called cartographic vandalism. Another form of cyber vandalism is the creation of malware such as viruses, Trojan horses, and spyware, which can harm computers. A particularly virulent form of cyber vandalism is ransomware, which is used to extort money from computer owners, and can even go so far as to carry a destructive malware payload that harms the system if payment isn't forthcoming within a certain time limit. Defacement. Defacement is a type of vandalism that involves damaging the appearance or surface of something. The object of damage may be architecture, books, paintings, sculpture, or other forms of art. Examples of defacement include Marking or removing the part of an object, especially images, be they on the page, in illustrative art or as a sculpture, designed to hold the viewer's attention. Scoring a book cover with a blade. Splashing paint over a painting in a gallery. Smashing the nose of a sculpted bust. Damaging or chiseling off sculpted coats of arms. Altering the content of websites and publicly editable repositories to include nonsensical or whimsical references. Iconoclasm led to the defacement of many religious artworks. As art. Though vandalism in itself is illegal, it is often also an integral part of modern popular culture. French painter Gustave Courbet's attempt to disassemble the Vedome column during the 1871 Paris Commune was probably one of the first artistic acts of vandalism celebrated at least since Dada performances during World War I. The Vadam column was considered a symbol of the recently deposed Second Empire of Napoleon III, and dismantled as such. After the burning of the Tuileries Palace on May 23, 1871, philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche himself meditated about the fight against culture, wondering what could justify culture if it were to be destroyed in such a senseless manner. The arguments are, culture is justified by works of art and scientific achievements, exploitation is necessary to those achievements, leading to the creation of exploited people who then fight against culture. In this case, culture cannot be legitimized by art achievements, and Nietzsche writes, I, also, know what it means, fighting against culture. After quoting him, Klausowski writes, the criminal fight against culture is only the reverse side of a criminal culture. 
As destruction of monument, vandalism can only make sense in a culture respecting history, archaeology, Nietzsche spoke of monumental history. As destruction of monumental history, vandalism was assured a long life, as Herostratus proved, performance art could make such a claim, as well as Hakim Bey's poetic terrorism or destroy 2,000 years of culture from Atari teenage riot. Gustav Corbet's declaration stated, As the Vadom column is a monument devoid of any artistic value, whose expression tends to perpetuate the ideas of war and conquest from the imperial dynasty, but that reject the sentiment of a republican nation, Citizen Corbet declares that the government of national defense should allow him to dismantle this column. Hence, painter Corbet justified the dismantlement of the Vadom column on political grounds, downgrading its artistic value. Vandalism poses the problem of the value of art compared to life's hardships. Corbet thought that the political values transmitted by this work of art neutralized its artistic value. His project was not followed, however, on April 12, 1871, the commune voted to dismantle the imperial symbol, and the column was taken down on 8 May. After the assault on the Paris commune by Adolphe Thiers, Gustave Corbet was condemned to pay part of the expenses. In 1974, Norman Mailer glorified the art of vandalism in his essay The Faith of Graffiti, which likened tagging in New York City to the work of Giotto and Rauschenberg. New York authorities responded by coating subway walls with Teflon paint, jailing taggers and requiring hardware stores to keep spray paint under lock and key. Tags, designs, and styles of writing are commonplace on clothing, and are an influence on many of the corporate logos. Many skate parks and similar youth-oriented venues are decorated with commissioned graffiti-style artwork, and in many others, patrons are welcome to leave their own. There is still, however, a fine line between vandalism as an art form, as a political statement, and as a crime. Bristol-born guerrilla artist Banksy's claim is that official vandalism is far worse than that perpetrated by individuals, and that he is decorating buildings of no architectural merit. Graphic Design Defacing could also be one of the techniques that many graphic designers use, by applying their own handwriting on a graphic itself. Sometimes the use of this technique might be mistaken as vandalism to the original work, as exemplified by the work of Stefan Segmeister, including his Lou Reed CD cover. A unique use of the defacement technique is the CD cover for APC by Jean Tuatu, where the designer wrote the title, volume number, and date with her own handwriting on the preprint blank CD. Creative vandalism of this sort is not limited to writing and sketching. For example, the spraying on the Kpist album Golden Code for MNW Records by Sweden Graphic uses gold spray, which may be considered an act of vandalism, but the customer may also appreciate the unicity of each cover that had been sprayed gold in different ways. Malfeasance in office is often grounds for a just cause removal of an elected official by statute or recall election. Malfeasance in office contrasts with misfeasance in office, which is the commission of a lawful act, done in an official capacity, that improperly causes harm, and nonfeasance in office, which is the failure to perform an official duty. An exact definition of malfeasance in office is difficult. Many highly regarded secondary sources, such as books and commentaries, compete over its established elements based on reported cases. This confusion has arisen from the courts where no single consensus definition has arisen from the relatively few reported appeal-level cases involving malfeasance in office. United States The West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals summarized a number of the definitions of malfeasance in office applied by various appellate courts in the United States. Malfeasance has been defined by appellate courts in other jurisdictions as a wrongful act which the actor has no legal right to do, as any wrongful conduct which affects, 
interrupts or interferes with the performance of official duty, as an act for which there is no authority or warrant of law, as an act which a person ought not to do, as an act which is wholly wrongful and unlawful, as that which an officer has no authority to do and is positively wrong or unlawful, and as the unjust performance of some act which the party performing it has no right, or has contracted not, to do. Dougherty v. Ellis, 1956. The court then went on to use yet another definition, malfeasance is the doing of an act which an officer had no legal right to do at all and that when an officer, through ignorance, inattention, or malice, does that which they have no legal right to do at all, or acts without any authority whatsoever, or exceeds, ignores, or abuses their powers, they are guilty of malfeasance. Nevertheless, a few elements can be distilled from those cases. First, malfeasance in office requires an affirmative act or omission. Second, the act must have been done in an official capacity, under the color of office. Finally, that act somehow interferes with the performance of official duties, though some debate remains about whose official duties. In addition, jurisdictions differ greatly over whether intent or knowledge is necessary. As noted above, many courts will find malfeasance in office where there is ignorance, inattention, or malice, which implies no intent or knowledge is required. England and Wales. Under English law, Misconduct in public office is a criminal offense at common law which dates back to the 13th century. The offense carries a maximum penalty of life imprisonment. It is confined to those who are public office holders, and is committed when the office holder acts, or neglects to act, in a way that constitutes a breach of the duties of that office. The Crown Prosecution Service guidelines on this offense say that the elements of the offense are when 1. A public officer acting as such. 2 willfully neglects to perform one's duty and or willfully misconducts oneself. 3. To such a degree as to amount to an abuse of the public's trust in the office holder. 4. Without reasonable excuse or justification. The similarly named misfeasance in public office is a tort. In the House of Lords judgment on the BCCI case, it was held that this had three essential elements. 1. The defendant must be a public officer. 2. The defendant must have been exercising his power as a public officer. 3. The defendant is either exercising targeted malice or exceeding his powers. Misconduct in public office is often but inaccurately rendered as misconduct in a public office, which has a different meaning. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. (laughs) 